Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. What an honor and a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord today. And what an honor and a privilege it is for me to stand before you all and be able to preach the Word and teach the Word and go through the Word on a weekly basis like we do here. We started in Matthew chapter 1, and now we're in Matthew chapter 13, and we're working our way through Matthew chapter 13. Today we'll be almost, well, about halfway through Matthew chapter 13. We're going to read an excess amount of scripture today again, but I'm gonna, we're going to get through it for context purposes. So the title of our sermon today is The Parable of the Wheat and the Tares. That is the title of our message today, The Parable of the Wheat and the Tares. So if you guys want to join me in a word of prayer real quick before we start our reading of our message, or before we start our reading of our verses, and then we'll, then we'll start our teaching. Lord, thank you so much for this awesome day. Thank you so much for bringing us here. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for your grace and your mercy that you give to all mankind, Lord God. Lord, we can't make it one day without you, Lord Jesus. We can't make it one day without you. So Lord, we just pray that you would uh, bless this message, Lord, and bless our time together, Lord Jesus. And just uh, bless us all, Lord God. Bless us all. As, as I pray, we are a blessing to you, Lord Jesus. I pray we are a blessing to you. No matter what, Lord God, I pray we'd all be, always be mindful of what you did for us and who you are. And I pray that you would mean something to us always, Lord God, and to eternity, Lord God. And we would worship you and serve you as our almighty God. We love you and we praise you, dear God. We ask that you bless this message. We ask, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would fall upon all that are in this room today and all that listen to this message today, Lord God. And Help us to understand your word and help us to comprehend your word. And then, Lord, help us to apply your word. And, Lord, most of all, as your heart is here in this message, help us to examine ourselves today, Lord God, in light of what we hear and you and what you say and for eternity. We love you and we praise you, dear God. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you guys want to turn to Matthew chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 24. We're going to be actually in verses 24 through 30 and 36 through 43. Those are going to be our sections of Scripture today. And you may be saying to yourself, wait a minute, Pastor Ed, I thought you always say we go verse by verse by verse through the Bible. And that is true, we do, absolutely. But today, we have to skip some Scripture for, two, for about two or three reasons. Number one, time. I try to keep my sermons right around an hour just because I just think that that's the way God wants me to do it, just keeping them right around an hour. And number two, we have to skip some scripture just so we can stay in context. You see, our, our scripture is set up today as where our first scene is Jesus is still bobbing around like a cork on the, on the sea, and his disciples are still on the seashore watching. Okay, that's our first section. But our second section is where he, teach, you know, he, he went on to teach more than this one parable, more than just the parable of the wheat and the tares. He taught many parables in this chapter. And so we skip some for time, and because 36 through 43 is his explanation of the parable that he gives in verses 24 through 30. So let's read it, and then I'll, you'll see as we go. So Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. 
But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, do you not, did you not sow good seed into your field? How then does it have tares? <clears throat> he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant, the servant said to him, Do you want us then to go gather them up? But he said, No, least while you gather up the tares, you shall also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So that's the parable part of our section of Scripture today. That's the, that's the story that we get, the earthly story that we get of our parable today. And now we skip down, if you guys want to go down with me to verses 36 through 43, we get his, <clears throat> excuse me, we get the explanation of this parable. Verse 36. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man, the field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil, the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered, burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels. They will gather up out of his kingdom all things that offend and things that practice law and those that practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has an ears, he who has ears to hear, let them hear. See, now if we just would have read the parable. And we wouldn't have gotten the explanation along with the parable. Then some crazy, really funky teachings can come out of just the parable. Okay? Jesus did not explain every parable that he gave, as we will see next week. And for those, we can and we will go to the Bible. Because we have to make sure that whatever Jesus teaches, it lines up with whatever we you know, know for sure of the absolute things that he said and did. If we read a parable over and we come up with some, with some really, really awesome understanding, we think, but then we go to other parts of the Bible and we go to other parts of the New Testament and other parts of the Bible as a whole and we see, wait a minute, that, that contradicts something else God said. we got to go, well, wait a minute. We understood the parable wrong. Okay? we got to go with what did he say? How, what does the rest of the word say? Because God never contradicts himself. God doesn't lie. He's not a man that he should be, you know, tempted by sin. He doesn't lie. He doesn't deceive people, okay? But the parable of the wheat and the tares for our, you know, section of Scripture today, we do have, a, you know, an explanation of. We, he did give us an explanation of that parable. So as long as we've got it, we're going to take advantage of the understanding that he gave, of the explanation that he gave, and we're going to read the parable over again, you know, slowly, with a little bit of understanding, and then we're going to go to the explanation and understand what he wanted to say to us fully. Okay? As I was saying earlier, for the first time, we have a split scene. Our first scene, he's just still standing there on the shore, and, the, and all the disciples and all the multitudes, the mass amounts of multitudes are standing on the seashore. And our second scene, we find in um, Matthew 13, 36, where he sends the multitudes away, and he goes back into the house. We'll get into that a little later. Interesting note, as we uh, start this little section here, 
chapter 13 as a whole of Matthew, there's five separate the kingdom of heaven is like parables. In the whole chapter, there's five separate but similar in different ways, but, you know, different in other ways. There's five like the kingdom of heaven is like parables. This Matthew chapter 13 verses 24 through 30 is the first kingdom of heaven is like parable in this whole section. What happened? Jesus got himself on a topic that he really wanted to talk about. Jesus said, man, I want to talk about the kingdom of heaven. So he got himself on a topic of section or a topic of discussion that he liked talking about. And he just he just went with it. Uh, we should all enjoy talking about the kingdom of heaven like Jesus liked to talk about. In fact, doesn't the Bible say that a Christian should be an imitator of Christ? So if we think about that, we should all strike up conversations about the kingdom of heaven more because Jesus did. Jesus talked about hell too, of course, and that's a good topic of conversation as well. But he also, like look here, he took the whole, almost the whole entire chapter of Matthew chapter 13 and talked about heaven. He took other chapters for other things too. Remember the one chapter we studied a while ago where it was all about evangelism? You know, things that are important to Christ are things that he talked about. Our eternity, heaven, hell, you know, evangelism. That He talked about things that were important to him. As we should also, like manner, always talk about things that are important with us. And that's a good way to gauge, you know, what are our conversations? Are our conversations, you know, talking about the things of God? Okay, on to our parable. Just like last week, Last week, or if you remember, we spent just a little bit of time on the parable, and we spent the majority of the time on the explanation of it. And we're going to do the same thing this week. We're going to keep the same format. We're going to do it kind of the same thing. So in our verses 24 and 25, if you want to go back to Matthew 23, 24, 25, we read, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. So we see right off the bat, the kingdom of heaven is like... So everything you think, everything you start to hear as we move forward in this parable, before we get the explanation of it, this is just a little keen. If you want to do this for yourself, it's a little bit of kind of, it's a little fun. You know, as we're going through the parable, we're not getting to the explanation until after. Think of all the things that Jesus gives and translate them over into heavenly, into spiritual things. Because the definition of the word parable that's used here according to Strong's Concordance is an earthly story that has a heavenly or spiritual meaning. And that's what this parable is about. The kingdom of heaven is like. And then he gives us a whole bunch of earthly ideas. Look, it starts off. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sold, sowed good field or good seed into his field. So we see that that's an earthly idea, but we know that's a parable. And we know it has a heavenly meaning, spiritual Meaning, So everything you think, everything I say, just think heavenly, just think supernatural, just think spiritual. Parables, you can look at them like this. Parables with their explanations, God gave them to help us wrap our human minds around the supernatural, awesome spiritual things of God. And for that I can say praise the Lord because you know what he wants us to understand. He wants us to understand, okay? So let's leave, read over Jesus' earthly teaching, and we're going to go through it a little bit. I'm going to read it real slow, and I'm going to make small points, make comments about in small points. And remember, think spiritual, think 
heavenly things as we read them. And then just test yourself. Actually, it's kind of fun. Test yourself. I know we read over the understanding already, but we probably don't all remember it because I read it over kind of quick. Test yourself. Th think to yourself, what is that? that what, I think that might mean this. Or th and then see when we get to the explanation of it, see if it lines up with what Jesus said. So Matthew chapter 24 started over again. Another parable Jesus put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. What do we see there first of all? We see a man that's a sower. That's what we see first of all. What do we see secondly? We see that that sower, man that was a sower, sowed good seed, number two. And we see number three, that he sowed it in his field. Notice the field belonged to him. And notice the seed that he sowed was good. It was good seed. 25. But while men slept, notice while men slept, not while he slept, while men slept, his enemy, notice how it's his enemy. That's a key. Just that's, remember that one. His enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. So while men slept, not he slept, his enemy, not anybody's enemy, but his enemy, came and sowed or spread these weed seeds amongst the good wheat seeds that the sower had just sowed. Verse 26, But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. What do we see? When the grain sprouted, and made a crop. So you think about how a seed grows. You throw a seed in the ground. It starts to grow. When the grain sprouted, when it started coming to fruition, when it started producing its fruit, then at that point, once the fruit started to appear, that's very important, the tares, then the weeds started to show themselves. I don't know if you're seeing a spiritual picture here, but this is, remember, an earthly story comparing with a spiritual meaning. Verse 27. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, notice they called him Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? So they ask him a good question. They say, Sir, we thought you only spread good seed in your field. How come that there's tares along with this, you know, your good seed that you sowed? So he answers them in verse 28. So he said to them, An enemy. Notice now it's not his enemy anymore. No, it's now it's now hit an enemy. That's, that's kind of important because when you think of things, when we look at the spiritual meaning, you know, you'll, I hope you'll see that. But it's not his enemy anymore. It's an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us to then go and gather them up? So he says, they, ask, they come and they ask him another question. Do you want us to go gather, or you could say rip the weeds out of the ground? you want us to go rip them up, get rid of those weeds that are in the ground? And he says to them, no, verse 29, least while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. So he tells them no. And that's kind of important. We get to that at the end of the section. We get to that at, at the very end of our of our you know, study today, of our sermon today. He says, no, don't go gather up the wheat. You, you think to yourself, why not? But there's a, real, there's a really, really good reason. He says, no, least while you gather them up, 
you also uproot the wheat with them. So leave them all, grow them, let them all grow together. Verse 30. Until the harvest, and at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first, gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. Notice he just says burn them. Notice he doesn't say destroy them. Notice he just says to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. So we have this harsh language for this harvest time. We have this pretty harsh language concerning these wheat that they're growing and the tares that are growing up with it, wouldn't you say? Those poor weeds are going to be thrown into the fire, or tares, tares of weed. So those poor weeds, those poor tares are going to be gathered up, bundled up, and thrown into the fire, while the wheat, the good seeds that are, you know, growing up with the wheat, they're going to be put into the sower's barn. So, what does it all mean? There's a lot there. What does it all mean? Let's go to the master's explanation of it, and I'll go through verse by verse, and we'll learn what he wants to teach us, how he looks at the kingdom of heaven, and how the gathering of the wheat and the gathering together of the tares goes, and we're going to see how he says to do it. We're going to break it down. So if you want to go to verse 36, here we can read Jesus' heavenly or spiritual explanation of this earthly story or this parable. Read verse 36 with me. Then Jesus sent the multitudes away and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. So what do I see? The first thing I see, I mentioned it earlier, we have a change in scenery. We went from the bobbing around on the, like a sea on the court, you know, like a cork on the sea, and the, all the multitudes standing on the seashore. We went from that, and we moved to a house now, where those that were interested, just like last week, the parable of the sower and the seed, just like last week with that parable, those that were interested, his disciples, came to him and said, you know, hey, Jesus, what does this mean? We have again, here, same thing. Second, the disciples come again with, please explain. Explain the spiritual meaning of this sect of, of this teaching that you just gave. And again, what do we see? They sought the truth from Jesus, the Master. They again didn't understand the spiritual meaning. We know that, you know, their culture was a very highly agricultural society. So we know that almost 100% they understood every concept that he was talking about. Maybe that the enemy would come and sow the tares in there. That wouldn't be something that maybe an enemy or the enemy would do, but, you know, of the, of the man. But maybe they would have. Maybe they'd even have, had it seen. I, you know, I know I read in the Old Testament, you know, several times about how Samson, when he was angry with some people, he, he sent and got some foxes and tied them by the tail and sent them through the people's, you know, for, uh, land and then lit, lit a torch on fire and then lit their whole land and burned it up. But we never read about somebody coming in sowing tares or weed seeds along with the wheat. But, you know, you never know. You know, vengeance, people like to take vengeance on other people. So you never know. That could even be something that they were experiencing back then as well, too. So every concept of the physical matter, they would have understood. You know, this is what a sower does. He goes out. He's, no, no sower goes out and purposely sows bad seeds because he wants his crop to be good. He wants whatever product he's trying to grow to, you know, to be that product and grow good. He doesn't want seeds. In fact, you pay more even to this day for seed that doesn't have weeds in it, seeds that doesn't have tears in it, more purified seed. Okay, so they would have understand all those concepts. 
But again, they come and they say, Jesus, we don't understand the spiritual meaning to this teaching that you just gave. Can you please give it to us? And we see again, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, because Jesus gives them the answer to their question in verse 37. It's also important to know, God was showing me this while I was studying this section of Scripture, that we have verses 31 through 35 where he gave one, two, three more parables in, that we're missing that we're going to pick up on next week. He did, they did not ask about the one, two, three parables that were in the middle of this parable. And so what do we see? He did not give them the explanation to those three parables that he went through, but he gave them the answer to the parable that they wanted to know the answer for. That's key. That's, that's very important. I wasn't even sure if I was going to bring that up during this message, but that's really important because ask and you shall receive. They didn't ask for the understanding to the other three parables, and so therefore he just didn't give it to them. So if we want to know something, if we're interested in something that we think God is saying, and we ask him for the understanding to it, God is faithful, as we saw here, to give us the understanding. But as we can see, if we know and hear things from God and we don't ask for the understanding of those things, then we're not going to get the understanding to those things like we just see the example here in Scripture. Scripture, All Scripture is given to us for an example. Okay, It's all given to us so that we could see what God said to do and we can practice, if we're interested, if we want to show God we love Him, we can practice those things that we see in Scripture. So we can practice... We hear something, or if we don't understand something, God, please give me the understanding of that subject that I just kind of know. And, and Lord, I, I, you know, can you please help me to understand it? And God, Jesus was faithful. Every single time people wanted to know, he gave them the understanding to that whatever they wanted to know of. So, before we read the explanation of this parable, I have to pause for just a moment, just maybe a minute or two, and explain something really important before we start reading the explanation of Jesus' explanation to the parable. Excuse me. Before we read, there are some things about parables that you need to know. Okay? In this section of Scripture, like I just talked about, there's five different parables the kingdom of heaven is like. We also have last week's parable where Jesus spoke about the parable of the sower. Now, you'll see a constant theme. Maybe you've already picked up on it already. You've seen the fact that, wait a minute, Jesus used the same words. He used the same seed. You know, the, the, the sower went out and sowed the seed, and he did this, and he did that, and then the things grew up. And, and in all the parables, there's going to be like phrases, and there's going to be similar words that Jesus used in all those parables. But... Here's something that you have to really be careful of while you're reading the parables and while you're listening to them is that not all the same words are put in the same context. So all the same words and all the same phrases don't mean the same thing. They can change from parable to parable or they can stay the same. It just all depends. You say, but wait a minute, Pastor, and I thought you said, you know, the Word, and, and yes, God is very clear in His Word. How do we know when those words, when those phrases are different? Jesus, as we'll see here, and I'll point them out, Jesus clarifies what one statement means from one parable to the next as far as, this is what I meant here, 
versus, and then we can, we're going to look back to last week and think, look at that same thing there and say, wait a minute, it meant something different there. So he explains it. He goes through it. We just have to be careful not to just say, oh, we read one parable. That's what all this meant. That these were the sower and the seed, and that it all meant this there. Therefore, now we have the same thing. Now we're going to take that same idea, and we're just going to bridge it over all the parables. That is not a correct way to interpret Scripture, as I'm going to show you as we start going through the parable. Okay, Just keep that in your mind. As we go through Jesus' explanation of the parable of the wheat and the tares, I will cover these same words and phrases that seem to be the same, but they're not. So let's read verse 37. Jesus says, He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. Now remember we heard the seed, the word seed, in the last parable, the parable of the sower. First of all, he, he says here, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. Okay, the Son of Man, biblically, and I'm not going to go through it all today for time's sake, that's Jesus Christ. He's speaking of himself here. He who sows the good seed is the son of man. So I'm the sower in this parable. I'm the sower of the good seed. Okay? And notice that he sows the good seed. Okay? Don't get confused from last week's parable. Verse 19 says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, and that was relating to the seed that the sower had sown under a different kind of paths. Remember, there was a rocky soil. There was a there was a you know one that had tares on it on the soil. And so, in that parable, the sower was either Christ Himself or anybody that heard or anybody that sowed His word for Him, which would be a disciple or which would be a follower of Christ. As I already said, verse nineteen: When anyone hears the word of the kingdom. Uh, who can speak of the word of the kingdom to anybody? Anybody can. Anybody can speak the word of the kingdom to anybody. It's not Jesus wasn't just referring to himself last week. He was referring to himself as well as anybody that would spread his word. Okay. Difference here. Here Jesus specifically says that he, the son of man, is the sower of the good seed. And there's another important part, uh, point that we can't uh, miss up here, we can't mistake, because if we do, it could make for some devastating interpretation. Something that stays the same from last week's parable, the parable of the sower, and this week's parable is the seed. The seed that is sown is the Word of God. The seed is the good seed. That you know variable stays the same from last week's parable to this week's parable. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, you know, Pastor Ed, you just said that, uh, you know, Jesus would specifically say that, and he didn't hear. Well, remember I also said that if we don't see it in the explanation, we can find it in the Bible. So you say, but where did you come up with that? How do we know that the seed is the Word of God in, in both the parables? And I would say to you, look at the life of Christ. Look at what Jesus did and said while he lived. What did he do? What did he go about everywhere spreading? He spread his teachings. He spread his word. So in both parables, we know just by the life of Christ as a whole, his ministry, that he spread his good teachings, that the good seed is the same from last week's parable to today. That's a constant. We have to make sure that we understand that because that's going to matter as we go through our 
section of scripture here that's going to really matter. The good seed is the good teachings of Jesus Christ. Good seed, good teaching of Jesus Christ is the word of the kingdom. Just keep that in mind. Verse 38. So he's going out. He's sowing good seed over the world. Verse 38. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. Remember, last week's parable, the field was the hearts of men. Verse 19 from last week, Satan came and snatched away the word of God from men's hearts. So the field last week was our heart. The field this week is the world. So Jesus Christ is going out. And he's spreading his good teachings, his good seed over the whole world. You see how in here in verse 38, Jesus made that distinction. The field is the world. He made that point to say that so that we wouldn't get confused from other parables that he taught with the other explanations that he taught from. The field is the world. Remember verse 24, Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Well, we have a reference here to God making claim over everything. Notice it was his field, and notice, to, notice in the explanation, it's the field is the world. Notice that, that's not by mistake. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. So understand, Jesus just made a point there, the world and everything in it, including you, me, plants, animals, the sky, the sun, the moon, the grass, the flowers, are all belong to him. Everything is his. He owns everything, for he created everything. That's his world, his field. It's his field, his world. That was not by mistake. Christ was making a very powerful point there about him and God. Now, don't get confused with what Jesus said in John 14, 30. The ruler of this world is coming, speaking of the devil. And, or Matthew 4, 8 through 9. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Don't, you may be thinking, well, wait a minute, Pastor Ed. Didn't Jesus himself there say that, you know, because he never refuted Satan when he said, all these are mine. All those have been given to him. Satan is, is right now the ruler of this world because of evil, because of, the, you know, because of what Adam and Eve did, and they kind of transferred authority as far as ruling the earth goes. But, I'm, but be mindful, Satan doesn't own anything because Satan can't make anything. And there's a difference between ownership and ruling. Okay, So just keep that in mind. Satan doesn't own anything. That's going to be important. And there is such a thing as ownership and somebody that rules over it. Okay, There's a ruler over a kingdom, but he may not own it because the ownership belongs to somebody else. Okay, And that's kind of how it is with the world. God owns the world and everything in it, but Satan just is a temporary ruler right now because of the sin and because Adam and Eve kind of gave him that authority when they followed him and they broke God's law. Moving on, verse 38 and 39. As we, as we were saying, uh, the field is the word, 
the field is the world, the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. So we read in that section there, moving on past the world part, we read that uh, the seeds, the good seeds are the kingdom, or are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the wicked one. So remember we referenced that earlier in the parable. Jesus brings us two new ideas that we don't see in the last parable. His two new ideas are, first, the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. And second idea is the tares slash weeds are the sons of the wicked one. And in verse 39, he says that the devil is the one that sows those tares. So obviously, Jesus is saying to us here that the two kinds of seeds, the good seeds versus the tares, are two types of people. Okay? One person is the good seed, it's the son of the kingdom of God, and the other person is the, the, the seed of Satan. It's the, it's, the, it's the weed, or it's the weed, or it's the tare, and it's, that's the kind of person too. Now, on the surface here, on the surface here, because I'll be honest with you, for a long time, as a younger Christian, I always read this section of Scripture wrong. Because on the outlook, on the outside, it looks like Jesus is saying, and it's not true, and I'll explain why, but it looks like Jesus is saying that He, slash God Almighty, created only the people that are the good seeds, okay, or you could call them the good seeds are the saved people, the people that are walking with God, the people. So it looks like Jesus only created the good seeds, those that are saved, and it looks like on the surface the devil made or created those people that are the tares and the, or, and the weeds or the unsaved people. 39 might bring you to believe that. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. And then 38, uh, the son, the, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. So when you read that, you might be thinking, as I did for a long time, well, wait a minute. The devil actually sowed evil people onto the planet? The devil made evil people and he sowed evil people onto the planet? So you have to look, and I just wanted to address it in case there's anybody out there in misunderstanding like I did years ago. Is that a correct interpretation of this scripture? Let's find out. If it's true, as I said earlier today, earlier in this message, if it's true, we have to be able to back it up by the word of God. We'll absolutely have to see it in the biblical text of the Bible, of the whole Bible as a whole, not just Cherry pick one little verse and say, oh, well, because Jesus said it, we're going we're gonna to absolutely take it because it's not what he's saying. And I'm going to give you one example from the Old Testament and one example from the New Testament because it's really an open and shut case once you look at it through God's eyes. Old Testament, God speaking, Isaiah chapter 44, verses tw or verse 24. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and he who formed you in the womb. Look what he says now. I am the Lord who makes all things. I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone. Notice he didn't have a helper. Notice who made all things. God said, I make all things, who spreads abroad the earth by myself. 
So God referencing Himself doing these things, Maker, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, all by Himself that He did that. And of course, we go to the New Testament in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, which we know that context is Jesus. And Jesus, or the Word, was with God, and the Word was God. He, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. And verse 3 is the killer of the stomper out of did Satan make anything here. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Not pretty clear. All things were made through him. Jesus is saying everything. And what does the word all, or what do the words all, what do the words everything, what do the words everyone mean? They mean everything. They mean all things. They mean everything that you can see or not see. That's every, everything is everything. All is always all. It's not, only, it's not sometimes some. All is never some. And everything is never just a few. Everything means everything. And all means all. Everything. It's just very simple. And all includes people. Whether they're going to be saved or they're not saved or whatever. All is all. All things were a thing. All is all. People are things. So what is Jesus saying here then if he's not saying that the devil created the unsaved people and he created the saved people? God's side first. Let's look at it another way. Did God only create the good seeds? Absolutely not. Go back to verse 26 and read it. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. Notice in there he said, when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop. I'll bring it all together in a second. Notice the grain that was planted in the ground. It came up and then it produced a crop. Okay, keep that in your mind. And then verse 38. Focus on good seeds. The field is the word. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. Let me explain something to you that God showed me this week. If you take a seed that's a seed of wheat and you, you know, dry it out, make sure it's good and ready to plant, you dig your hole, you plant the wheat in the ground, you cover it up, you water it, you take care of it, that wheat seed grows up into a wheat plant. In the top of that wheat plant, it produces lots of however many hundreds or dozens or hundreds or thousands of wheat seeds that you could take off that plant and you could go and you could spread throughout the whole, you know, you could spread to other areas and make more wheat plants. Or you could do what we do. We take those wheat seeds and we grind them down and that's where we get our bread from. Okay? But, but the, when the grain had sprouted mean, meant, means he, what he was saying there is the weed seed went into the ground and then it produced more seeds. It produced a crop. Notice the seed itself was not what, you know, it's not, was not the good seeds. The good seeds were when the crop produced. What are we saying? I'm saying that, remember, like I said earlier, keep it in mind, Jesus said that he, the Son of Man, goes throughout the whole earth spreading the good seed. The good seed is his teaching. Verse 37, in proper context, Jesus is saying that the good seed that he, the sower, spreads on the earth is his good godly teachings or his gospel. 
which now makes the good seeds from verse 38 the people that resulted from that good teaching that was planted on the earth. The good pe the people that decided, you could say those that accepted and responded to the teachings of Christ or the gospel of Christ and live according to his word now. That would be the good seeds that came up from the seed, which was his word that he planted into the ground. So therefore we see that he didn't make those good saved people. He planted his teaching and then people heard it and then his teaching was planted on their heart and then we can go back to the parable of the sower and we see that they had a good soil, their heart was ready and they were ready to accept that teaching and then that teaching bore 30 and 60 and 100 fold good fruit out of their hearts, okay? So God didn't make the good saved people. The good saved people came from his good seed that he planted on the earth. Pretty plain. The devil's the next side. Did he create the unsaved people? Absolutely not. Our proper context from verse 25 from the parable, remember the enemy, the devil, and he's the one that sowed the tares among the good seed. He didn't sow the tares among the good seeds, uh, people. He sowed the tares among the good seed. He sowed his tares among Jesus' good teaching, the gospel. The tares that he sows would be his teachings of lies and the false gospel of Christ that he spreads and whatever else that he can spread that causes people not to believe in the good seed or the good teachings of Jesus, which then makes the tares from verse 38, okay, and the, let me find it here, and the tares, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one, which now makes the tares from verse 38, or the sons of the wicked one, those who the, were the result, just like Jesus' good teaching, now these are the people are the result of the false teaching of the devil, or you can say those that rejected the good seed of Christ and believed the false teachings of Satan, his lies, his false gospel, and who don't follow the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we see there in proper context that the devil didn't make the evil people. He didn't put the evil people on the planet. He just sows his evil teachings among the good teachings of Christ. And then people then therefore have to decide what kind of heart they're going to have. And then they either say, I'm going to respond to what Christ taught or I'm not. And if they don't, or if they listen to the lies, then they're listening to the tares. And the best way I can explain this, John 8, 37 through 47, Jesus is speaking about this same exact idea, speaking with some Jews who believed him. They didn't believe in him, they just believed him, and they really weren't the good seeds, as you'll see as Jesus talks to them. John 8, 37, Jesus says to them, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, so he's speaking to Jews, and Jews were the descendants of Abraham, which was the father of the Jewish nation. Okay? But you seek to kill me because my word, or you could say teaching, remember, because that's what we learned that the seed was, his good teaching, has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. So notice how he differentiated his father and their father. And they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. 
And Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. He separates them again. Remember what Jesus said here in, in Matthew 38, that there, some people are the sons of the wicked one and some people are the sons of the kingdom. Abraham was a son of the kingdom of God. These Jewish people were sons of the wicked one. He goes on to say, or they say, they say to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, if God were your father, you would love me. If my teachings were in you, if you'd accepted my teachings, God would be your father. For I proceeded forth and came forth from God, or, or it, for I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, or he could have said, you are the sons of the wicked one. And look at here, and the desires or the teachings of your father you want to do. The desires of your father you want to do. The teachings of your father are what you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. He is, for he is a liar and the father of it. Because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? He was of God, hears God's words. Those that want to be gods, listen to the godly, truthful teachings. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Jesus explained it very plainly. Jesus said, because they did not do the works of Abraham, or Abraham listened to God, so you could say they did not follow God's teachings that God gave through Abraham. God wasn't their spiritual father. And because they did the works of the devil, they followed his lies. They made the devil their spiritual father and not God Almighty. So as I said earlier, amen and amen, God creates everyone, not only the saved people, and the devil doesn't create anything even the unsaved people. The way God looks at it spiritually, if you choose to obey and serve God and follow his teachings, you become his spiritual son. But in like manner, if you choose not to obey God or to serve the Lord Jesus Christ or to choose to, and you choose to follow the lies of the devil and follow his teachings, you become his spiritual son. And as I already referenced earlier, that's exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 13, 38 and 39. I love the truth. Amen, don't you? Amen. Amen. So let's go on. Verse 39. Start at harvest. We're going to move kind of fast as we keep going here. He goes on to say, The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Harvest, end of the age. Let me address that one first. Yes, that's right. There will be an end of the age. There will be an end of everything. God is going to destroy everything in the whole entire universe, including the heavens. You say, no way. God's going to destroy the heavens and the earth. Where does that say that, Pastor Ed? 
2 Peter 3.10 But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. But the, both the earth and the works that are done in it will be burned up. So yes, the end of the age, there'll be an end of everything and everything will be completely destroyed and completely wiped out to make second peter 3 13 nevertheless we talking about christians talking about people that love christ according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells amen so he's going to destroy everything and he's going to start over and make a brand new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells, where there's no more sin and no more evil one that's going to be let out to do all those evil things and spread his evil lies and evil teachings that he does now. And the angels, yes, as we just read, the angels are his reapers or the ones that gather up the wheat and the tares and gather up the children of the sons of the kingdom, as Jesus said here, before God destroys everything and makes new heavens and new and a new earth. So the angels of the reapers will come and gather up the people of the earth, whether saved or unsaved, alive or dead, and he's going to gather, they're going to gather us up, all of us, whether alive or dead, in our eternal bodies. This will be the, the this will be a resurrection. And he's going to gather us up in our eternal bodies. And he's going to take us and he's going to deposit us in our final eternal homes. And as we're going to see here, Jesus gives us those two homes. Or as Jesus puts it in verse 30, where he says, Let both grow together until the harvest time. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. You see that there's two different eternal homes that people are going to be going to. The tares into the fire to be burned forever and the wheat to go into his barn. Or as he puts it in verses 40 through 43, and I'm going to read them and go over them really quick. Therefore, he says, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. So as you see the tares in your field, because they could picture that. They could see that. You can go on YouTube. You can watch a video of tares being burned in a field. That's actually what farmers do. They used to till them under, but then I guess they found the Bible, and then they went to the Bible, and they said, wait a minute, the Bible people used to burn them, but our <laughs> modern people used to just gather the wheat, and then they used to till the, 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 the tares back into the soil, but then they figured out, wait a minute, there's more, more weeds growing next year than the others. So they gathered them together, even our modern age, and they burned them. He says, so just as, the, just as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so will be the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, same thing now, parallel passage to the parable, and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend and those who practice right or those who practice lawlessness notice how again we have a reference to he'll gather all those people out of his kingdom all those on all those that are offensive all those that offend and we'll look at that in a little bit and those who practice lawlessness so he's going to gather the take the angels and they're going to go gather up all those, we know those are the tares, those are the, those are the people that decided not to respond to what Christ did for them, and he's going to gather them all up, and he's going he's to gather them up, and in verse 42, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. 
there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So that's where at the end of the age, angels are going to go out, they're going to gather up those that offend and those that practice lawlessness, and they're going to throw them in the furnace which burns with fire. And we'll read that in a second. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. That's, that's in, in essence, to verse 30, that's God's barn. God's new heavens, He's going to, the angels are going to go up and gather all the righteous, all those that accepted the good seeds, those that accepted the teachings of Christ, and He's going to gather them up into the kingdom of their Father. So God considers the tares to be those that don't respond to the good seed that Christ sows on the earth and instead follow their own selves or follow the teachings or lies of Satan and his false gospel. Christ just said that those types of people are those that offend and practice lawlessness. And he said that they will be gathered up and cast into the furnace of fire where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. All those that live a life of lawlessness, which means they are breaking God's laws and whatever laws others that they want to break, because God said obey the law of the land. So these are people, the lawless, are breaking God's laws and breaking the laws of the land and living however they want to live. Or we can read it as the Apostle John writes it in Revelation 21.8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable murderers, the sexual immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So the lake which burns with fire is the, is the lake of fire that the angels will gather up all the evil and wicked people, those sons of the wicked one, excuse me, and he's going to throw them into the lake of fire, which here is the burning furnace where there'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And all those that respond to the good seed or good teaching of Christ, all those that say to themselves, you know, I'm going to react, I'm going to respond to what Christ taught, I'm going to deny myself, pick up my cross and follow after him daily, I'm going to put my trust in Christ and I'm going to live for Christ, will be gathered up and brought into God's kingdom and they're going to shine forth as the sun in perfect peace for all eternity. But then Jesus closes, and so will we, with this one statement. He loves this statement. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Why did Jesus say this statement? Because of 2 Peter 3.9, I believe. For God is not slack concerning His promises. Some count slackness, but is, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish and all would come to repentance. You see, He loves you. He loves me. He loves mankind. He loves us. He says, all who have ears to hear, let him hear, because His desire slash hope is that people will examine themselves and their lives after they heard the words that He said to see if they are either a son of the wicked one or a son of His kingdom. He's telling you that. He's reaching out to you right now if you're listening to these words. And He's saying to you, My son, my daughter, I want you to be my spiritual son. I want you to be my spiritual daughter. Please use the words that I just gave. 
Are you a son of the kingdom or are you a son of the wicked one? So I ask everyone that's listening to this message, please respond to the hope and desire of Christ Jesus for your life today. Will you please examine your life in light of what you just heard Jesus say today to see whether you are A, a son of the wicked one, or B, a son of the kingdom. As a whole, Jesus said to the Jews who believed him with, with their, that their actions and their ways were what made them a son of the wicked one. And we know Abraham, we read Jesus say uh, in, verse, in John 8, 39, if you were Abraham's children, you would, be the, or you would do the works of Abraham. What were the works of Abraham? Number one, he put his faith in and he believed in God. Number one, that's the first start. But then from there, that belief, his belief in God caused him to live a different kind of life. It caused him to live a life dedicated to God. It caused him to live a life sold out to God because of the faith that he put in God. He totally trusted God. And he said, and John, Jesus also says in John 8, 42, as we already read, if God was your father speaking to those Jews who believed him, but they weren't gods, as we saw Jesus say to them, if God was your father, you would love me. Remember, love is an action word. Love is not just some word. Love is an action so what makes a person a son of God's kingdom versus a son of the wicked one? Do you love Jesus Christ and show Him you love Him daily by the way you choose to live your life? Or don't you? Because you either show God you love Him or you don't. What they do with the good seed, what you do with the good seed or the good teaching of Jesus Christ that he sowed on the earth means whether you're a wicked one, a son of the wicked one, or a son of God's kingdom. Christ said that you are either for me or you are against me. You either gather for me or you scatter abroad. He's not joking around. You're either a son of the wicked one or you're a son of God's kingdom. Would you please look to your actions today? You're either you're responding to the teachings of Jesus Christ and applying to them, them to your life or you are not. You are either surrendering your life to Christ and his lordship daily in your life and the ways that you live, and the things that you do, and the words that you say, and the things that you let yourself think, or you're not. Jesus said to the, those Jews that believed in him, the reason that they were the sons of the wicked one is because their actions followed the devil's ways. They were liars. The devil was a liar. They sought to kill him. People think murder in their hearts all the time because they just willfully hate people for no reason. So which are you today? There's no in-between. Are you a son of the wicked one? Or are you a son of God's kingdom? There's no in-between. 
Following Jesus Christ means you are listening and obeying the things that he tells you to do, that he told all people to do. You are living your life with the attitude of loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. This is what it means to love Jesus Christ. And you're loving your neighbor. You're purposing it in your heart to love your neighbor as yourself. If you examine your life today, please, because Jesus said, those that have ears to hear, let them hear. He wants you to look at your life and think to yourself, am I a son of the wicked one or am I a son of God's kingdom? It's really easy. Do I have a desire and do I act on my desires to live and love Jesus Christ? Do I live my life to serve him or do I live my life for myself? Do I do the things that I want to do in my life with no consideration of God? Is God, well, maybe God's just something you believe. Maybe he's somebody you believe in. Well, Jesus spoke to the Jews who believed him. And he still called them sons of their father, the devil. Because their actions, doesn't matter what surface belief they had, their actions were all against God. Their actions went against God. Are your actions, your words, the things that you do with your life, do they love God? Do you act like you love God? Do you live your life to love God? Or do you live your life living for this world and the things of this world? Please be honest with yourself today. Jesus said, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Are you a son of God's kingdom? Or are you a son of the wicked one? Please be honest with yourself today. If you love Christ Jesus, your actions are going to bleed through and it's going to show. And your actions and your words and the things that you do are all going to show that you love Jesus. If not, then you don't. It's just that easy. If you realize today that you are a son of the wicked one, then please, God's heart is, that's why Jesus gave this parable and its explanation, please repent and turn to Jesus Christ with all your heart and truly believe in Him and start purposing in your life to make Him first in your life and not last. Decide in yourselves right now, I don't want to live for the wicked one anymore. I want to live for Jesus. I don't want to be a son of the wicked one anymore. That means you got to get out your Bibles. That means you got to start reading your Bibles. That means you got to start doing what God tells you to do and not what you want to do. It's a decision that you make, the one that's going to be your eternity. Because the angels are either going to go and they're going to gather you up and they're going to bind you up and they're going to throw you in the lake which burns with fire forever and ever and ever and ever, Revelation 21, or you're going to be go and you're going to, they're going to gather you up and they're going to put you in God's barn where you're going to walk in perfect peace with God forever. But if you choose to live your life for you and you choose to live your life not obeying the teachings of Jesus Christ, then you are giving those angels that right to come and get you and gather you up and throw you in the lake which burns with fire. You see, one of the things I said I would bring up later that I brought up, that I said in the sermon earlier that I would talk about was the reason that God doesn't allow the angels 
to go gather up the tares before the end of the age because they might rip up the wheat as well is because, you see, you got to understand, the Bible says that we're all born a tare. We're all born as weeds. Every single one of us is born into this earth a filthy, rotten sinner. And then it's when we get to hear the good seed, the good news of Jesus Christ, the good teachings of Jesus Christ, that we have a, we have a chance to say, I, I don't want to live this way anymore. I, I don't want to live the way the wicked one wants me to live. I want to live for Christ. I want to live for Jesus. I want to take his teachings and I want to live them and I want to learn them and I want to be them. So we're all born tares. But if God allowed the devil or the, the angels to go and rip out all the tares, he would have ripped out maybe me before I knew Christ. He might have ripped up you right now if you're not knowing Christ right now before you have a chance to respond today. And then you could be a result, you could be a product of the good teaching of the good seed of Jesus. But it's in your hands. God's done everything. God loves you. God paid the price. Christ came and died for your sins. He took your penalty upon himself on the cross, died, was buried for three days, went to hell for three days, then he resurrected and he sits at the right hand of the Father right now to take the sins of the world, your sin and my sin, upon himself so that we wouldn't be accountable for him when we died. It's your choice to say, I'm going to respond to that or I'm not going to respond to that. And if you realize that you're a son of the wicked one right now because you don't live for Christ, then turn to him right now and fall at his feet and beg for mercy and ask him to forgive you of your sins and, and dedicate your life to him and stop fooling around because the angels are going to come one day and they're going to bind you up and they're going to throw you in the lake which burns with fire. And God doesn't want that for you. That's why Christ left the heavenlies and came down to do what he did and show you that he loved you first. So if that's you, please turn to him today. Turn to him today. If you, if you think, no, I'm a son of the kingdom of God. Praise God, I love God. Give that explanation. I do love God with all my heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. I do live for him, and I'm studying his teachings, and I, I want to live for him, and I'm, I'm, I'm walking with him every day. Then, hey, keep going. Praise God, keep going. Keep walking, keep learning, keep growing, and keep serving, and just keep Jesus Christ the center of your existence, and don't lose heart, and don't walk away, and don't forsake God. Walk with Him until you die and into eternity, where you can walk with Him in His barn, where His eternal glory and bliss forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and you can be with Him. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Jesus, for this awesome sermon, Lord. Thank you so much for your awesome word. Excuse me, Lord, not this sermon. Lord, your word is awesome, Lord God. Your word is awesome, Lord. Without your word, I wouldn't even have had a sermon. So, Lord, thank you so much for your word. And thank you so much for those who have ears to hear, let them hear, Lord God. I, I just pray that those that are out there right now listening that have ears to hear, Lord, they, that they're honest with themselves, Lord, that they would be honest with themselves, Lord God, and that they would... Hear what Jesus said, what made a son of the wicked one versus a son of the kingdom of God, and that they would realize that they're wicked and they would realize that they're not good and that they would turn to you right now and they would surrender their lives to you and stop fooling around, Lord, before that end of that age comes and those, those angels come and take them and throw them in the lake which burns with fire where they're going to burn, not be destroyed because where there's no destruction. The soul lives on forever, Jesus. 
I pray that they would realize that they're a son of the wicked one, Lord God, and repent and, and, and respond to the good seed, the good teaching of Jesus Christ and surrender their lives to you right now, Lord Jesus. Please, God, draw them to Christ and save them. And I pray, Lord God, for all of us that are your good seed right now, that, are, that have responded and that are living for you and that are loving you with all our hearts, minds, souls, bodies, and strengths, Lord God. I pray that we would continue and, Lord, we would endure to the end, Lord God, because your word says that we need endurance. Help us to continue to endure, to not draw back, but to have faith and to continue to love you for the rest of the, all the days of the rest of the days of our lives. We love you and we praise you, dear God. Use this message, Lord God, to touch the world. We love you and we praise you, God. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen.